What up, what up, what up, y'all? I am your host, Young Smooth, and you are tuned into another episode of Kicking It with Young Smooth, the podcast where I talk a whole lot of shit about a whole lot of shit, some good, some bad. And on top of that, I go back over some of the dopest albums, just a little reminisce, you know what I'm saying? Um, I have an interesting time, but I think I'm going to actually save that for the late night show that I want to go over. So I'll make sure that that happens. But don't forget, you can find me on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn, Google Music, which is now YouTube Music, which means you need to use your Google Player, Spotify, and don't forget the late night show on YouTube. Speaking of which, if you haven't noticed on my Instagram, I have a very special guest this Friday, bruh, I'm so super excited. I have a special guest. His name is DDM. Make sure y'all follow him on all his social media platforms. Not to mention the fact, another a YouTube god right now with his Secretary of Shade. And in addition, we're going to go over the album, The Ballads of Omar. Bruh, it is a... Episode that you don't want to miss. It's one act to be honest, and I'm probably gonna say this to him, but I'm gonna say it to y'all. I'm a little nervous. I am a little I'ma be honest. I'm a little nervous. This this is this is a big deal. You know what I'm saying to you? This is somebody that has a huge following, and I hope that I can do I, I not hope. I know I will do the interview justice because for me it's about the hip hop and I and I cannot wait. I can't wait. I'm so excited. But y'all got that exclusive first, so look at that. Alright, so did y'all get the kick that lyric from last week? It was pretty short though, and it was one of my favorite songs of all time. So y'all thought I would just do hip hop songs. No, of course not. Had to throw a little R&B in there, and that was Aaliyah, four page letter. Y'all, when I tell y'all, I love that song. I used to get clowned because I used to do a little dance. With the little hand thing. And don't... Okay, don't judge me. I feel y'all judge me. But I used to do the dance in school. Yo, I loved One in a Million. I'm sad because we talked about this. Um, I talked about it on the interview with Crave. Like, legacy is everything. Um, what you leave behind sometimes and who leaves behind for you is everything. But again, a lot of times... All of these people were kids. When you talk about like some of the legends like Aaliyah, Biggie, Pac, they were kids. And depending on who has your best interest at heart, your legacy can be for not. Like Barry Hankerson having all of Aaliyah's catalog and we still don't have any of that. That's that's a lot to think about. Like, yo, you can only find like some of the stuff from AJ nothing but a number primarily. You know what I'm saying to you that you can fully download this, that, and the third. Then on top of that, with Pac, like you could find Pac's complete catalog everywhere, but really his story is left to be desired. Um, but Big is probably the only one that comes out on on top every single time with that because Miss Wallace, his mother, made sure that everything looked right and it represented her son to the fullest, even for the things that she didn't know. It always made her son look in the greatest light and. You know, that's why Ready to Die is Diamond, so is Life After Death. It, it just, it just kind of is what it is. And we'll go on to those further in episodes, but just wanted to kind of put that in perspective that legacy is everything because Aaliyah's legacy right now is being, is being done completely wrong. We don't get the, the ones that are in our tangible CD collections. We don't get those in our streaming services, which is another thing before I go into the kick the lyric that I, I thought about and someone else said something about this too. I want, I would love to go back to having tangible CDs and stuff like that again, but I, I know that that's going to be difficult and hard, but I realized that we were getting forced in the, into the streaming thing. And with us being forced into streaming, one of the things that's going to be completely horrible about that though, for real, like all jokes aside, is going to be the fact that um, streaming services can end up adding songs that were never there before in the album or they could take songs away. So like they can readjust and do all type of different things to to you know your favorite album. Like for instance, I I was talking to Cool Tone that one day and I was like, yo, I was listening to the firm album and there's an extra song on there that I never heard before. You feel what I'm saying to you? But 
that happens, streaming services are able to put unreleased tracks, which is great for the added, but it's also horrible when you get things like Aaliyah that you just don't get. You don't get to get on a regular basis. I can't go back and find that. However, also on the flip side on music, I think YouTube music will be great for that because there are so many curators and people that do different things, especially with music, that find those tracks and do put those tracks up and out. And and they are because um, I've listened to YouTube music and found some stuff that I was like, what the fuck is this? Or where did this come from? So I, I am appreciating that factor, but also kind of dissatisfied that we'll, we'll start I, I, in the near future. I promise you, you'll start getting music that you'll be like, hey, I've never heard it. And no one told you that this is added to the track or you'll get tracks that are missing. So that's crazy. Anyway, moving on. To the kick that lyric. <laughs> this comes from a trio out in the Yonkers project. Y'all already know who this is. I, I don't even have to tell y'all, but you're going to definitely know the song. Um, when I tell you that this is one of the most iconic rap groups that has stayed together consistently. And even to this day, like literally an album out right now, go cop it. I can't tell you what it is because then I'll be telling you what that is. So anyway, it says, hey, yo, my whole click bout it, bout it. We take yours while you pout about it. Trucks step out. The whores want to crowd around it. You could see me on Optimum TV, go in your bathroom, turn the light out, scream, bloody Mary, bloody Mary, one, two, three, chic ain't your usual friend, bout to set you up like Kaiser and walk straight at the end. I'm done, I, done with ice and charms. I'm trying to ice my whole casket when I'm gone. Pull up with glass on the dawn once I meet him. I greet him, kiss his feet for freedom, tell him thank you, Lord. Cause on earth I was getting bored. Now resurrect me back to this cat called Chic so I can make this album and get back to cats that's weak. 2362. Me versus you, that's like a cat versus pit bull. Gun, no clip full. Keep hunger and plan for the future. Cause you're figure you're going to be older way longer than you're going to be younger okay y'all know what it is don't act like that but y'all know this song the song's a classic song it's an iconic song it has dmx on the song you know what i'm saying to you um i heard this song one day and, and did not realize that i really didn't know all the words to the song i was like damn i really do know all the words to this i i think that y'all y'all guess who this is at this point anyway Moving on, don't forget that you can hit me at Kicking It With Young Smooth Pod on Twitter or Instagram. And let me know if you got that kick that lyric. Alright. Now, moving on to Ratchet and Ridiculousness. Not a whole lot, but some things that I want to touch because y'all can fight me on the later. Because I feel like one of the things I'm going to say is going to be a little bit controversial. But I kind of feel this way, so it is what it is. Who going to stop me? Not you. Oh, I thought so. Oh, what? Anyway. Marseille Martin is working on an unscripted show about black women who made history. The 16-year-old phenomenon Marseille Martin is working on yet another television project. Martin's Genius Entertainment is shopping a show called Baddies, an unscripted series that will tell the story of black women who have made history, according to The Hollywood Reporter. This if this show, which is working which she is working on with ITV America's uh, Sirens Media is picked up. This will be the first series to come into fruition. Black women have always contributed to American culture. Martin stated in an interview with The Hollywood Reporter. They've just never gotten the recognition this show is a fun way to let people know how dope we are. According to the Hollywood Reporter, the show will be a blend of her curiosity and affinity for pop culture while highlighting previously unsung black women from the world of sports, entertainment, politics, and innovation. 
Our team continues to be blown away by Marseille on multiple level, levels. Sirens Media President Jessica Sebastian Daya, I hope I said that last part right, um, said in a statement, she's a creative force of nature and an important voice in our culture. And aside from her obvious talent on camera, is very depth and thoughtful uh, executive behind the scenes. We're proud to partner with her and Genius on this series that will shed light on a virtual uh, story of imagination and unpredict- unexpected fashion. I think that this is so great. Marseille Martin is freaking hilarious. Like, to watch her on Blackish is. Uh, it's just it's amazing and to watch her grow up like you get child stars that grow up and you're like ah you just hope that they don't go off the rails but i think that we're in a new day that hopefully not too many child stars will go off the rail and blackish is held to such an esteem in um a lot of black households where um you know i think marseille has a, a a big eye on her like people are always looking at her but for her to be like what she's 16 now because she was every bit of like eight or nine when she started the show um and she's doing um you know this show she's an executive producer she did you know movies and she's executive producing over top of the movies as well i mean that's great like have your money make that longevity money for your children and your children to come that's gonna be awesome um this isn't the only project that martin is in the works with the Blackish Star is also working on a talk show called The Tiny Talk Show. The show is being pitched as the world's smallest functioning talk show with a set of the show being one-sixth of an actual talk show set. The intimate and revealing show will be airing on Quibi, which I've looked at Quibi, but I've never really thought about it. But I've heard like Quibi got some dope shows on there, so that might be something that I may need to eventually uh take a look at but yeah no that i mean that is great in other great news it is a girl kevin and aniko hart welcome baby number two the power couple originally announced that aniko was pregnant back in march um i'm going to say this baby name wrong and i apologize but i think it's Corey kaori my I hope that is how that's pronounced. I'm so sorry. Will be accompanied by her three siblings, Kenzo, Hendrix, and Heaven. Philly native Kevin Hart will be, will have a lot more laugh at my pain moments as his second child with Aniko, but his fourth in total has now entered the world. That is so sweet. I, I'm, fun fact for y'all, not crazy, crazy, crazy fact. No brag, no boast. But um, I knew Aniko. I knew Aniko when she we went to school together. Um, and she, so she's so very cool and very great and, very, and such a nice person. So I am super, super ecstatic for them. I'm grateful, you know, that you, you got another life into this world. And Kevin probably wants you to stop. <laughs> but at this point, no more babies. But at least, you know, y'all have another beautiful, healthy baby. And congratulations, because that is just amazing. Um, Okay, so now moving on to the part where I may have to cuss y'all people out. That's It's sad. I feel like I'm going to have to do it. Yeah, I'm going to have to do it. Um... <laughs> Big Beard and Little Boy, Tory Lane's response to Rick Ross's criticism, the little boy res- responded swiftly. So y'all, y'all already being shady. Like, why y'all gotta be shady about this? I feel a certain way about this whole situation and I'ma tell y'all my, we, we gonna get into it. Tory Lane's is still covered in struggle juice again, like, unnecessary, <laughs> but it's trying his best to take it off. He has answered the boss, but his response is falling on deaf ears. As spotted on TMZ, all signs are pointing to the fact that the day star is making the Canadian performer unpopular by the day. Upon the release of the new album, Rick Ross has one of the first, is one of the first celebrities to call him out 
for dropping a new project that did not provide a public apology to make the stallion for allegedly shooting up allegedly being the word shooting her on friday rose did not hesitate to question his intention by launching the new album the yeah by launching the new album the week of the brianna taylor incident announcement you can't predict that (laughs) a movie mm, mm -mm. a movie said showed a lack of respect for black women we got to respect these sisters rose explained Mm. naturally this got back to tori and he took to twitter to respond now you responding sir (laughs) to accusations of tackiness he states, I respect you too much as a black man and disrespect you in, in these times. I, I can't, I can't stop just making these little sidebars on it because I feel like this is ridiculous. I really do. Um, to disrespect you in these times. However, I want, I went out and marched nine days straight and he spelled straight so wrong. Um, for Breonna Taylor in your city, I didn't see the boss quote unquote out there once also stop tagging your endorsements and posts about her it's a poor decision at Ross Mm, 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 okay um let me let me okay I don't have anybody else to sit here and challenge this opinion so what you can do if you choose to listen to the show you're more than welcome to hit me on Twitter you can hit me on Facebook you can hit me anywhere fight me on this um I believe that any victim experience is a, is a real victim experience until until it is not. Um, I say that like the black experience is still a black experience until it's not a black experience. So, um, what I honestly now think is this: when I originally did the the first couple of shows, I was like, "Yo." Oh shit, Meg! He shot you. That's fucked up. I'm riding with you. You know I ride. Rides with my queens. Rides with my female rappers. Love, love them, death. This, that, and the third. You not. You, you, you just not. You can't be out here. Take your short fuck ass back to Canada. Okay. In retrospect, I had to look at some facts that I didn't think about originally when I said all of that. I had to look at the fact of number one. Yes, she got shot, but you didn't get shot quite the way that I think that we interpret being shot was being shot. Now, did she get shot? Absolutely. I'm not saying that. But I think that we had in in the beginning, in the early stages, we had the misconception that it was a whole bullet in her foot. It was not. It was fragments. Number one. Still not justifying it. Not saying what it is. Um, number, I take the damn watch off my wrist. Um, number two, y'all gonna hear that. Um, so I also had to sit back and think about how adamant she was when she named out Tori. When she said it, we was like, see, that's what I'm talking about. This fuck ass nigga. Whoa, wait, pause. Wait a minute. This is what we need to stop doing as people. We jump to the conclusions and I am no more not guilty of it than anybody the fuck else because I did it. Let's be clear. Okay, I did the shit. However, I had to, I, I'm taking it back and I have to second guess to a degree. I ain't never got out of a car back first. You feel what I'm saying to you? Where I could see and readily identify who else was in a car if something happened like... Oh, you was the one. Now, we don't know the ins and outs. We don't know the detail about what's going on in this car. We do not know that that is 100% true and correct. I am not saying that. However, my deduction is if you walked away, the term walking away would consist of you walking forward in some way, shape, or form and not seeing anything. What could have happened is because there are... This is me playing devil's advocate because there were three other people besides herself that were in the car. Granted, the the gun was registered to Tory, so it was Tory's gun. So that does make him responsible for that. I get that, and he got charged with that. I get that too. Um, 
But if you get shot from from the back in in any extremity of your body, can you say who pulled the trigger? Because I can't see behind me. That's where the fuck I keep my haters at. They behind me. I don't know who the fuck back there. But if you got out of the car and walked away, you feel what I'm saying to you? There should have been no way for you to readily identify. You just knew that Tory had the gun at the moment. That doesn't mean that Tory pulled the trigger. Those are some things that we need to think about. Because we're so quick to go into this. This is not a defense for Tory Lanez. Because all of the other shit that I heard about him messing with her girlfriend. Because apparently that's where the whole fight started from. I Because it was her. Her homegirl and Tori and Tori security in there. Furthermore, Tori security, you ain't shit because you should have stopped that to begin with because you trying to make sure that all parties involved are protected in his presence because that's the way a good security officer should work. However, that was not the case. Um, so. I, I, I don't know whose who's team pressured who, but this is what I don't like. I will go into like different chat rooms or read about it on different forums and everybody on this whole cancel culture. We always on this whole cancel culture, this, that, and the third of everybody. But has anybody ever thought that they're both protecting each other? Like, is that a far-fetched idea? Am I, am I, am I being stupid? Am I being stupid right now? Like maybe they both are protecting each other because I believe, I do honestly believe that Megan was genuinely protecting him at that moment because Megan was set to believe that, you know, Tori shot her. Yo, in a thought that just came to my mind, it's almost reminiscent of when Pop got shot in in the elevator. You feel what I'm saying to you? And blame Big and his people, even though they weren't there. You feel what I'm saying to you? It was a whole setup. How do we know? Like, I believe that she was genuinely protecting him, but I believe in all of the dragging that we doing on him that he is actually protecting her. Like, yo, go ahead, run with it. I, I know I made mistakes. I know I fucked up in this relationship. It is what it is. Secondly, the music. The music are all sheer coincidences. Um, do I believe that it may have been quote unquote a, a tacky move? But here's the thing. If you if your shit was scheduled to come out right around the time that the whole Brianna Taylor case came out, like, are you supposed to push that back? Like, I mean, no disrespect to Brianna Taylor, no disrespect to their, their family, but if life is still going on and money was still going on, if you already had a scheduled date because the trial hearing came, he was supposed to, to push that back. Like, we, we put these personifications of what is supposed to happen in our minds. And I'm like, that don't even make no sense. Like, yo, if you're going to put out an album, you're going to put out an album. Because, oh, oh, but because the stigma that's around him that y'all fuckers create. Us as media people, we created this whole big ass stigma. Now, oh, he shot people. Like. That he so he wasn't so he shot someone so we ain't supposed to come out. We don't even know that. Have you gotten any gun residue off of his hands from the original? Like nobody took anything. You got shot, but no nobody know. This the biggest kept secret of anything happening since Biggie and Tupac. Because I don't understand how the pieces don't fit together, but we so quick to make decisions. Oh, I don't believe it. All opinions, and I get that. All opinions, not facts. But I think that we need to look at some of the facts for a minute. Like, yo, in actuality, if I walk out of a car and I'm walking out of a struggle, I don't know. Her girlfriend could have pulled the trigger for all you know. Oh, we ain't thinking about that. We, oh, hold on, that's too far. <laughs> the bodyguard could have accidentally been struggling with them and the girlfriend and the bodyguard could have both pulled the trigger. But that's too far. That's not a defense. Again, it's not. I'm not defending Tory Lane. Tory Lane's gonna absolutely pull the trigger. However, I think that we need to stop instantly going into this whole cancel culture bullshit and think about think about it for a minute. You know what I'm saying to you? 
Cause they young and, and they wild. Like, yo, Meg, you doing all of this stuff and you was good girl Meg for a while. Like, why are you even, at, why are you fucking with a Jenner Kardashian situation to begin with? Are we not, do we not understand that these bitches is succubuses? Like they will suck your fucking life out. Look at Kanye for instance. What are you talking about? Like, why are you even there? Because you need some type of friendship and, 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 and some type of consolence now, you know, now that your mother passed, your grandma passed, all that stuff. I get that. But you can't find that in niggas that you don't know. And sometimes the bitches that you fuck with, them bitches ain't no better no goddamn way. And that's just bottom line. Because first of all, if y'all sitting there arguing over midget stump skin over this bitch, then there's already a fucking problem. That bitch ain't your friend. Because if she, and, and, and that's another uh, picture to, uh, to paint. Everybody mad at the front because she ain't saying nothing. First of all, she might want to be silent because she can't sway one way or another. She should she shouldn't sway one way or another, but what she should do is be able to tell her truth about what she knows in the time of if there's a case, if there's a trial, whatever. She needs to be able to tell her truth that way and not spread it out on social media like y'all do on all of y'all dumb shit on a regular basis. All of you bitches be out there just telling all your business. You know what I'm saying? To you parts of this still need to be private until an actual case happens. So, once again, I personally do not think that it is, I don't know. I don't think that it's necessary. You feel what I'm saying to you? I don't think it is necessary for us to continue to point these fingers and just, and, and, and be like, oh, well, he did it. He shot it. We need to cancel his music. I, I don't think that the music was intentional for it to come out around the same time as the, as the quote unquote conviction. Don't get me started on the conviction. <sighs> Cause that shit was some bullshit. Um, I don't think, but I don't think Tori, you know, you can't blame that for that like i think that the music was going to come out regardless you know what i'm saying to you no matter what what that would have been but he can't hold a stigma for some shit that that has happened and then that be like some shit that he did or some shit that he was involved in regardless how you want slice it and then all of a sudden be like oh i'm held responsible for everything that that happened because of gun violence nah like it 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 don't it don't work like that uh other than that rick ross sir Sir, if you, if you don't stop with this motherfucking, first of all, y'all sit here and praise the boss all you want to, but that nigga keep giving y'all that motherfucking high sodium ass chicken and shit at the wings. <laughs> nigga, don't eat that shit. I'm sorry. I don't gonna fuck with nobody say the wings be hitting, but them fries be salty as a bitch. Like, yo, just because you done lost a couple pounds off this bitch, but you want to give everybody high blood pressure and hypertension. Nigga, if you don't stop advertising that bullshit in your motherfucking post and that goddamn rosé that the rosé good I ain't gonna lie to you rosé good the rosé is good however I will state what I said I said what the fuck I said that motherfucking chicken hit on the ones but them fries is salty than a son bitch so Wingstop is not healthy for anyone Okay, and, and Rick Ross keep promoting that. He trying to Rick Ross trying to kill the motherfucking black community. Is we gonna cancel that nigga? Did we cancel that nigga when he was talking about fucking drugging bitches and shit? Hmm. It's funny we pick and choose when we want to be up in arms about some shit. We need to be up in arms about what we need to be up in arms about, and what we need to be up in arms about right now is Breonna Taylor. That is a clear fact. Um, what has happened, what has transpired as far as these fuck ass cops getting off is a clear indication that this, this is America and this is the way that they want it to be done and that we don't mean shit. What is a no knock warrant? What is that? And and I don't live in, in that state to even think that that was, that would be a case. But you shot first and expected for that boyfriend not to shoot back. And y'all fuckers still get away with it. That shit right there, that is the shit that blows my mind. What I want us to do, and I and I wrote this on somebody else's post, is this. I want us to stop allowing other people and other things to create the division between us. Because sometimes 
we 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 have this not not sometimes all the time right now we have this narrative that black men don't ride for black women that ain't true that that ain't true in the least because I, I will say yes do black women ride primarily for black men absolutely but we cannot keep having these narratives and and other people's lives or, or things that's happening divide us in that kind of way because somebody's like, oh, I side with Tori. Oh, I side with Megan. I side with the truth. I side with the facts. I side with where some shit just don't sound right. So that's where I, that's what I'm going with. But I'm not instantly on this bullshit of being like, oh, well, I don't know because well, what did she do? What did he do? Like, yo. We have got to stop being those people. We have got to stop being those people that inst- instantly judge and tear down our fucking own. And then turn around in the same breath and want somebody to motherfucking respect us. Get the fuck out of here. Now, the only thing, and I will say that I may still be a hypocrite about is maybe is, I don't know why I still feel this way. Now, I still feel this way in my spirit about R. Kelly. I really do. I think that that... Blew out of proportion. I think too many people knew about that. I think too many people were involved in that situation. And that has spun out of control. Like, I can't... That That is a cancel. That, that was a cancel. The Cosby Show, slightly a cancel for me. But not completely. Like, if fits on, I'm okay. I'm not, I'm not dead to the world. But... You know what I'm saying to you, but I definitely, definitely had to take R. Kelly out of my spirit. I'm sorry. Because there is, there is too much of the moments, and especially with me watching all of the things I've watched, because I've watched beyond the, just the, the surviving R. Kelly documentary, but watching all of the things I've watched and listening to all the things I've listened to and reading all of the things that I've read, like, that, Made me had to be like, look, okay, this is way too much. And I need to take that out of my psyche because some of the music definitely influences that. Um, I have not gotten a chance to listen to Daystar yet. I have not gotten a chance to listen to Tory Lanez's album. I may possibly listen to it after I do the show or while I'm editing. Um, I have heard what they have said in some of the lyrics and about him, you know, talking about they rendezvous this day and the third. I, I I say to that this, what as a good artist or an artist that is a writer in some way, shape or form, do you not use what your life is at that moment to put in your music? So, cause I heard some people on, uh, in, in different forms, just kind of going in like why he had to tell us all that. Okay. Our Kelly basically told you that he was sticking his dick in little bitches, but you didn't care then. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say too much? I'm going to go ahead and move on. Mm, y'all bitches. Um, so for the culture, Will Smith and DJ, you see how I changed that shit real quick. For the culture, <laughs> Will Smith and DJ Jazzy Jeff tour the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air mansion. The doorway feels hella empty without the late James Avery standing with the cast. However, Will Smith and DJ Jazzy Jeff took a tour of the mansion featured on the legendary sitcom show The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and it's a far cry from how it was portrayed when they first debuted in our living rooms over 30 years ago. The film clip shows the two hip-hop legendary um, standing in front of the white doorway, Jazzy Jeff was frequently thrown out of by Uncle Phil. First and foremost, rest in peace to James Avery. It, it, it just an immense, amazing talent, and nobody can replace James Avery. James Avery, if you had to talk about sitcoms and TV dads, James, yeah, Uncle Phil was that TV dad, absolutely. Um, so that was the, uh, House that he got thrown out of throughout the show series. However, when they walked to the home of decor, couldn't be further away from the posh white and beige living room set that fans have come to know. Instead, it it's reminiscent of the pool house Will and Carlton shared when they moved out to the main residence on the show. 
The pad is decorated with graffiti art, original footwear Will wore during the series gear, which is dope. Uh, gear from his Bel Air Academy, um, anniversary capsule, a, a mini basketball hoop, and original records DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince created back in the day. The tour continued to the very dated dining room where which contrasts the modern style of the pool area in the back of the mansion. However, um, guests are able to actually use this mansion as a bed and breakfast for $30 a night. That is, it is so dope. Um, so if y'all have not checked it out, check it out on Will Smith's page on YouTube. Cause I mean, what does Will Smith not do on his page? That is not theatrical as fuck, but, um, I like it. I like it. I, I like um, that I, I love the Bel Air collection. I've seen people rock it recently, and I'm like, I gotta get me a piece. I really want the reversible track jacket so bad. That's what I really, really want. I think I'm gonna go ahead and try to get that. The reversible track jacket looks like the Bel Air blazer with the, um, the paisley inside. You can turn it on the inside and the outside that way, and it's it's super dope. I want it. It's a little expensive, but I definitely will be getting it. Um, but that ends up the Ratchet and Ridiculous. Um, people are not going to like my opinion. And I appreciate you guys for continuously listening to the show. You know what I'm saying? Too? I'm trying not to lose my subscribers as is. That is just what it is. Um, so let's do this. Oh, don't forget. For the YouTube page, you can like, share, comment, subscribe. Don't forget to turn on notifications so you'll never miss when I upload something, whether it's one of the shows or one of the late night shows or the interviews. So I appreciate y'all for all the love and support. I'm going to take a quick break and then we will be right back. I really appreciate y'all for listening. Y'all know how we do. All right. Peace. Yo, what up, what up, what up, what up, yo? So, y'all know I always have the new music alert. Real quick, make sure y'all go check out my girl, Devon Daniel with her brand new album, Skin Tone Brown, on all your social media platforms, all your music platforms. Make sure y'all get it. This is one of the dopest albums I've heard thus far. All right, now let's get back to the show. What up, what up, what up, y'all? I am back. Y'all already know what it is. So, it is time for the album of the week. And this week, I couldn't think of no other album to do because it was meant to do classics. And, And this album has to be a pure, pure classic. Um, It's Reasonable Doubt. I know I have not waived any album covers in quite a while. And once again, this is another one of those album covers that's in the uh, the case as well. Because it's just iconic. It's just classic. So, Reasonable Doubt is the studio album by American rapper Jay-Z. Who was released... Who Yeah, who was released on June 25th, 1996 by Rockefeller Records and Priority Records. The album featured productions provided by DJ Premier, Ski... Nobody and Clark Kent and also includes guest appearances from Memphis Bleak, Mary J. Blige, Jazzo, and the Notorious B.I.G. among others. However, there is something about that that I just thought about that is... Okay, anyway. That I will actually save for the the live show. Mm -hmm. I have a thought about that. Um... The Notorious B.I.G. among others. The album features mafioso rap themes and gritty lyrics about the hustle lifestyle and material obsession. Reasonable Doubt debuted at number 23 on the U.S. Billboard 200 on which it charted for 18 weeks. It was promoted with four singles including Ain't No Nigga and Can't Knock the Hustle. 
Reasonable Doubt was certified platinum by the RIAA, which we know is the Recording Industry Association of America because I've said this 101 times at this point. And as of 2006, has sold 1.5 million copies in the United States, a critical success. It has been ranked on several publications lists as one of the greatest rap albums ever, while many hip-hop fans have viewed it as Jay-Z's best work. It is. It just is. It, 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 there's, I mean, there's no comparison. Um, I, I like all of the other volumes, like volume one, volume two, and volume three, all of that stuff is great. The dynasty, but nothing, nothing touches reasonable doubt. So a little background. <clears throat> In 1989, aspiring rapper Jay Z was recruited by mentor Jazzo to appear on his song Hawaiian. Oh man. That just reminded me of Jay-Z in that Hawaiian-ass shirt. If I could find that picture, I would definitely put that on my wall. I would definitely do that. Um, he appeared on two of Jazzo's songs in the next year. But after Jazzo was dropped from his label, Jay-Z dealt drugs to support himself. He continued to pursue a rap career and appeared on two songs, the original Flavors in 1993 album Beyond Flavor. <clears throat> Jay-Z then caught Big Daddy Kane's attention and toured with him. The collaboration on Kane's 1994 posse cut show Improve along with Wu-Tang's ODB, Wu-Tang affiliate uh, Shaheen, Sauce Money, and Scabbo Lover, or Scab Lover, I'm sorry, I forgot all about that, uh, Despite the exposure he received from Kane, Jay-Z was still without a record deal. He began selling tapes from his car with help from friend Dame Dash. The success of the street-level marketing led to a deal with Payday Records, which released his first solo single, In My Lifetime, and its side B, I Can't Get With That. An unconventional move, Jay-Z then... Uh, sprung the record contract he had along sought and left Payday Records to form his own label, Rockefeller label with Dame Dash and Kareem Biggs Burke. <clears throat> Jay-Z later explained that he thought he could do a better job of marketing his records on his own. Listen to that. Listen to what he, this man said and was in his youth told you that he would do a better job of marketing his own records on his own. Payday eventually signed me to a deal, but were acting shady with the whole the whole time. Like they didn't know how to work a record or something, says Jay-Z. The things that they were setting up for me, I could have done myself. They had me traveling places to do in stores and my production wasn't even available in the store we shot one video but when the time came for me to do the video for the second single i had to be cut out they gave me the money and i started my own company there was a little arguing back and forth but our conflict finally got resolved the bottom line was they wasn't doing their job so i had to get out there on my own look at that entrepreneur already in that mindset like look these niggas ain't doing their job i'm doing my own job out here <clears throat> jay-z rented a small cheap office for rockefeller records on john street in one of the dirtiest parts of the busiest city in the world jay-z and his um no wait a minute, hold on, something just crossed my mind Oh yeah, they did start that then. That was, that is right. Okay. Jay Z and his comp, confidants thought that their low rent headquarters was a starting point and that would eventually lead them to Manhattan. In 1995 and early 96, Jay Z appeared on records by Big L and MC Germano, further raising his profile at this point he was still considered an underground rapper with the new jack style so great like yo you already this whole story is is amazing um because 
you have to really think about it. Like, for us up north, Jay was doing the same thing that rappers down south eventually did and became mainstream with. Like, yo, that's the same success story that Master P did. Like, Master P put everything into what he had and was like... Yo, these record labels ain't doing nothing for me that I wasn't doing for my fucker self. I, I was out here already hustling. I was already making a name for myself. I'm already making a buzz. Like, the only thing that a record label can do for you at, at some point is be financial backing. And even with that, you have to be mindful of what that financial backing looks like. Because a lot of times, that financial backing means, oh, we'll give you a budget, but we're going to take everything out the budget to do everything for ourselves and not really do anything for you. And then at the end, when you don't recoup that money back, then you fucked. But, again, smart businessman, love this album, can't really gush anymore about it. It's just fucking amazing. Uh, the recording process, Re- Reasonable Doubt was recorded at D&D Studios and mixed at Platinum Island. However, its beats were formed elsewhere. Can't Knock the Hustle was produced by Nobody. Um, that is actually his name. I'm not saying it was Nobody. His name was Nobody. Um, <laughs> at his mother's home in 1994, while the vocals were recorded on tour at the studio in Tampa, Florida, named Progressive Music with Mary J. Blige, Ski produced Feeling It, and politics as usual while recording with Camp Low. The recording sessions were often competitive. Ski and Clark Kent created similar beats for politics as usual, but Ski submitted his to Jay-Z's first, causing his to appear on the album. Brooklyn's Finest was a competitive thought-friendly battle between Jay-Z and Notorious B.I.G. in which Jay-Z oh man that song was awesome I'm sorry Jay-Z tried proving that he is better he was better than Big's collaborative efforts while Big tried brushing his rhymes off as insignificant although the rappers had already met on the set of the Dead President's music video, they discovered that neither wrote down their rhymes while recording. The recording of Brooklyn's Finest spanned two months and moved from D&D Studios to Giant Studios, where the Clark Kent sung choirs was recorded. Let me tell you guys something. That is a battle like no other. It is. It is great. When you get an artist like, like, all right, when you get an artist of big caliber, um, and that is that song that is just on an album and people love it and, and this dynamic that y'all going back and forth with each other, but it's, it's so well thought out. It's so well planned and it's just so in the moment and so organic it can make or make or break an album. Like for instance, I love, and my favorite song is still The What with Big and Meth. I like the fact that Meth is literally the only feature on Ready to Die. Like, I love, I love that. Um, but this, this song just meant so much to the whole culture in general. Um, just, we were hearing, Brooklyn at his finest, you know what I'm saying? And hence, hence the name, but we were definitely here in Brooklyn at his finest. We were like, yo, this shit right here, it just knocks. And it was just a whole bunch of going back and forth. And I, I think that time and music just felt so raw and organic. And one of the things that I still put into perspective, they were kids. You know what I'm saying? So great time in music. Music and lyrics. Reasonable doubt. Was mafioso was a mafioso rap theme. Dave Dirk from Stylus Magazine said the lyrics were criticized by gritty real. Um, I'm sorry, characterized by gritty realism. Um, Dream Hampton believed the all believed that although rappers had alluded to hustling before, Jay Z talks about what it can do to you as a person um and the inner peace uh, that it can do for your to your mind 
I'm sorry, like the way that they wrote that, they kind of cut, cut that up a little bit. Jay-Z later said the studio was like a therapeutic, uh, therapist couch. Um, while recording Reasonable Doubt, all, all music, Steve Hugh described him as a street hustler from the project who rapped about what he knew and he was very, very good at it, detailing his experience on the street while disarming honesty um Hugh summarizes this album's subject matter saying he's cocky bordering on arrogant but playful and witty and exudes an effortless unaffected cool throughout that is dope I love that and even if he's rapping about rising to the top instead of being there he his material obsessions are already apparent. The album's defining cut might be the brief 22s, ooh, which, ooh, ooh, which not only demonstrated Jay-Z's extraordinary talent as a pure freestyle rapper, but also preaches a subtitle message through its club hotness. Bad behavior gets in the way of making money. Perhaps that's why Jay-Z's wax waxes reflective, not enthusiasm, but the darker side of the streets. That is a dope point. I didn't think about that. Mm. And I'm sorry, I was thinking like in the midst of what I was saying. So that's why sometimes it sounds like I'm I'm like literally thinking about that. Uh all music's Jason Brackheimer writes that the album's production ex- exhibition characterizes the pre-gangster era, a foregone era when samples flooded the beats and turntablism supplied the hooks, which sets Reasonable Adult apart from Jay-Z's later work. Can't Not the Hustle features a smooth beat. Um, Politics as usual has an R&B sound and a sample of Hurry Up uh, This Way Again by the Stylistics. Their president samples Nas from his voice from uh, The World Is Yours in the chorus. According to IGN's Spence D, Ski brings back the stripped down piano file style lending the track a late night jazz vibe on feeling it and 22's um has a morning full jazz included groove that is these are all very true statements um so the release in the production reasonable doubt was released by Rockefeller in June tw- on June 25th 1996 through a distribution deal with Priority Records it was not an immediate success reaching a peak position of 23 on the Billboard 200 while selling 420,000 copies in its first year of release it spent 18 weeks on the charts and 55 weeks on the top R&B slash hip-hop albums on which it reached number three. The album was promoted with the release of four singles, none of which reached the top 40. Ain't No Nigga was the highest charting single, number 50, Can't Knock the Hustle, and Feeling It didn't peak higher than 70 and dead presidents didn't chart altogether. The LP sold 43 copies in its first week on February 7, 2002 reasonable doubt was certified platinum by the RIAA for shipments of a million copies in the U S it remains the lowest charting album of Jay-Z's career. According to the the Respect magazine, it had sold 1.5 million copies in the United States by 2006. That is the craziest thing to think about, is it not? That one of the most prominent people in the game that we love to this day, his first album did not hit like that. People were not feeling Jay like that. He was not on the charts like that. But continuously continuously proved himself became an entrepreneur and did 
everything that he could. And now look at him. But still, it's funny to know that that album was not received well. That's weird. I did not know that. But I, but I do, but I do now. And so do you. Look at that. All right. So as far as the track listing goes, you got Can't Knock the Hustle with Mary J. Blige, uh, Politics as Usual, Brooklyn's Finest featuring Notorious B.I.G., Dead Presidents 2, because I think there were actually two versions of that as well. Um, Feeling It, Devils, 22 2s. I think it was 22 2s. That's what it's called. Um, Can I Live, Ain't No Nigga featuring Foxy Brown, Friend or Foe, Coming of Age featuring Memphis Bleak, Cashmere Thoughts, Bring It On featuring... Um, Big Jazz and Sauce Money and Regrets. Hmm. And then there is also the Can't Knock the Hustle remix, Dead or Alive Part 1, and Can I Live, which was the, there's a European version in it too, I think. Um, so the samples for Can't Knock the Hustle contain samples of Much Too Much by Marcus Miller. And I know you got Soul by Eric B and Rakim and Interpolations of Fool's Paradise by Melissa Morgan and dialogue from the film Scarface. Politics as Usual contains the samples of Hurry Up, This Way Again by The Stylistics. Brooklyn's Finest contains samples um, of Ecstasy sorry, by the Ohio Players, Brooklyn Zoo by Old Dirty Bastard, and Interpolations uh, dialogue from the Carlitos Way soundtrack. Oh, that's cool. The Dead Presidents 2 contains samples of A Garden of Peace by Lionel Liston Smith, The World is Yours Tip Mix by Nas, and Oh My God Remix by A Tribe Called Quest. Feeling it contains a sample of Pastures by Ahmad Jamal. Devils contains samples of Go Back Home by Alien Toussaint. I Shot Your Remix by LL Cool J. And Murder Was the Case by Snoop Dogg. I did not know that. 22 Twos contain an interpolation of Can I Kick It by A Tribe Called Quest. Can I Live contains... A sample of Look of Love by Isaac Hayes. Ain't No Nigga contains samples of Seven Minutes of Funk by The Whole Darn Family. And interpolations of Ain't No Woman Like the One I Got by The Four Tops. Friend or Foe contains samples of Hey, What's That You Say by The Brother to Brother. Uh, Coming of Age contains a sample of Inside You by Eddie Henderson. Cashmere Thoughts contains samples of Save Their Soul by Bohan. Uh, Bring It On contains samples of One to Pass It by D&D All-Stars. Regrets contains samples of So Easy, Loving You by Earl Kugel. Kugel and Hubert Laws. And uh, does I say Can I Live Again? No, but okay. Can I Live contains samples of Mother's Day by 24 Karat Black. And Dead, Pre- Dead or Alive Part 1 contains samples of Bigger Theme by M. Tume. Ooh. Wow. So just listening to what those samples kind of created, I-, I will say this. Reasonable Doubt is a complete and utter masterpiece. I think that, um, I'm glad that it got its roses years later and like as of 2006 and probably even beyond. Um, now it should definitely, uh, well, huh, that's a good question. If it's certified platinum, I don't know if it went diamond. And the reason why I say that is because in the physical sense, like uh, once you got to like 2008, 2009, 2010, we kind of stopped, you know, buying cds like that so i don't know if in the physical sense it's actually ever gone diamond hmm that is something to think about that is that is one that's some research i may have to do later because in the in the grand scheme of things we really a lot of people don't like i talked about earlier with like streaming services a lot of people don't have the tangible anymore like tangible is not a thing we have you know streaming i mean his streaming numbers may have, have certified it by by now but 
Who knows? I don't know. That's a good question. But all in all, a hustler, an entrepreneur, someone who is out here, you know, doing this thing and would not be a show without talking about reasonable doubt. Just talking about how I remember, to be honest with you, I actually didn't get into Jay-Z until like reasonable doubt wasn't not the first one. I actually didn't get into it until I started. The first time I watched something with Jay was the streets is watching. That was the first time. And then by that time I had gotten into like volume one and volume two and dynasty and stuff like that. That was the time, but that was when Jay was putting out like so much consistent stuff. Like you, you had no choice and I loved it. And that was a man that carried a whole roster on his back. Like, I know y'all just heard me crack my whole knuckle. Um, but like literally carried a whole team on his back. Like he was the forefront man. Dame was behind the scenes and Dame did his thing as well. But the main thing that you saw was Jay-Z. When there were new artists that came up, they came under Jay-Z. You know what I'm saying? Like, so again, dope ass album. Yo, tell me how you guys feel about Reasonable Doubt. Um, you can leave comments, hell, even leave comments, I'll even be posting the show on YouTube, leave comments in the YouTube, um, channel, you can hit me at Kicking It With Young Smooth Pod, I've said this a couple times throughout the show, so by now, if you don't know where to hit me at, that's not really my fault, um, but I hope y'all enjoyed this week's episode, I really do, I think that it is, um, it's always dope to, to sit here and chop it up with y'all, even though nobody's here. But I love the comments. I love the fact that I see that y'all listening. I really appreciate it. I know we out of quarantine-ish because everybody's kind of still moving like there's not a, the whole pandemic out here. But stay safe, y'all. If you don't have to go anywhere, don't go anywhere. And don't make unnecessary trips for nothing. Um, work hard, of course. Feel your feelings. Um all of the things, all of them. I really, I really appreciate everybody once again for listening to this. Um, I have some new things that are coming up in the works, so I'm very excited to share those with y'all really soon. Um, don't forget to check out my special um, interview with DDM on Friday. That'll be starting at 10 o'clock. And then in addition, I think that's pretty much it. I don't know if there's anything else. Um... I'm really bad at that. I'm really bad at trying to remember everything I need to tell you. I should be writing that down. But everything ain't for everybody until the time comes. Uh, oh, don't forget to check out my sister's podcast. My actual sister. Love her. Her podcast, Let It Be Known. Make sure y'all check that out as well. Um, She is dope. She's sitting in one all cylinders on so many different topics. And I need to catch up on some of her stuff as well. Um... I love the fact that my family is very also reinvented. Oh, and I also have to, I say that for another time. Y'all don't need to know that. Anyway, um, once again, fear, false evidence appearing real. It's only real in your mind if you make it real in your mind. And look, the real is you can do anything that you set your mind to. Look at Jay. You were selling stuff out the trunk of your car and just like a lot, I, I, it's for me, I think it's like a lot of the Southern rappers took that motto and said, yo, Jay did it. These up North dudes was doing it. We can do this too. I like the fact that sometimes you become a pioneer and, and somebody that is moving the needle forward and you don't even know that's what you're doing. And so sometimes it just is what it is. But once again, I am your host, Young Smooth. And I am glad that you have spent a little time with me. Um, you have just now listened to another episode of Kicking It With Young Smooth. And uh, don't you feel better about it? <laughs> I know you do. All right. So I will catch y'all next week. Hey.